0: It's just been fantastic, hasn't it, over the last few weeks? Um, And if you haven't heard Ricky over the last three weeks, I just encourage you to go back and take a listen as as he's been just bringing us, continuing to bring us through this journey in Acts where we look at how do we do authentic community together? You know, what does that look like? Um, To live from that place um, that Jesus always intended us to live for from one another with him Um, And then with those around us. And um, guys, if I could have that first slide up, I wanted to start this morning because Ricky kind of left us off last week talking about hope and that we carry, this, we carry an infectious hope. And I don't know about you guys sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> you know, sometimes ourselves, we can be in a place where it's just like, I, I need some of that myself. I don't always feel like an infectious carrier of the hope of everything that Jesus has done. Um, but guys, I just want to encourage you, you know, because he's... he's that's what he's done. You know, we were talking last week when we, when we looked at hope about the fact that sometimes we do shake and we do rattle and we do roll a little bit, but he's the one that's unshakable. We're not working to get ourselves to this strong place where nothing moves and nothing bends and nothing um, ever rattles us. We're just increasingly learning and choosing to live from that place where he is our place of solid Solid foundation that never shifts, never changes, never never removes. And it's and on him that we stand. And so sometimes it doesn't feel great to us. But we can just rest and trust in the one that we stand on. And um, in the hallway, most of you will have seen it over the last few years. Um, guys, if we can have the first slide up. Graham Wilson did this drawing for us. And it's it's put down in there in the hallway because this is our declaration. This is who we are as community. This is who we're growing into being. We're not always doing it. We're not always getting it. And don't you love it? That that's the journey we will forever be on. But that we exist for the city to write a new story of hope. And we're going to look at one verse a little bit later. But I just wanted to start with this because... It all comes from that place you know it was it's just so beautiful to spend time isn't it turning our eyes back to Jesus and who he is so thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning because we get to turn our heart back to the one which is why we do all that we do why we gather why we we come together in this way is because of who Jesus is and and there's a verse in Matthew and it says this that when Jesus looked out over the crowds his heart broke. And I just want to put everything we do this morning into that context. Because, you know, this isn't about like a teaching. It's not about an instruction. It's not about some information to get in our head and a little list, although we have got those because that's the kind of person I am. And I love a good list. But it's not to go away with an instruction. But just increasingly to connect with the heart of Jesus. And why he's called us to do what he does is not for any other reason other than when he looks at us as people, whether we're gathered in this building this morning or whether we're out on the street somewhere, he looks at us and his heart breaks. Not, not because he, he sort of thinks, oh my gosh, but because he looks and he understands the journeys that we go through he understands the challenges and the wrestles he knows the sin that we that we you know have to work with him to overcome to come into places of freedom and his heart just breaks for us cuz he loves us And it's from that place, guys, because we're going to be talking this morning a little bit about the outward. And I know sometimes, depending on our filter and depending on our experiences, that can feel like, oh, here we go. (laughs) We've done the nice, but we've talked about community and how God loves us and we can love one another. Oh, now here comes the task that they're going to give us to do. And I just want to banish all of that from the room, because everything that we're going to talk about this morning comes simply from that place of... Jesus looks over a city, he looks over a household, he looks over us gathered this morning and his heart breaks because he loves us and he's for us. So let's listen this morning, hopefully with those ears and part of why we wanted to revisit this guys and some of us may be thinking we know this, we get this, this is what we talk about at Carlisle Vineyard, but we're just going to keep revisiting it. Because these things need to kind of sink deeper. They need to go lower. They need to infiltrate the way we do, the way we think, the way we love. Um, And we've got over the next couple of weeks, like Rose said, two things that we do on a regular basis. Next week is Scattered Sunday. And then the following week is the Cumbrian Run. And so it's with those in mind. I mean, could have just stood up here and given a bit of an advert and a push for it. But I just really felt like we felt like we were to go back and just look at the why. Why do we do it? Um, you know, why has God called us to to work with this rhythm that maybe hasn't been our norm? And the story that we're going to look at in Acts this morning, and we're we're going back again. We haven't really managed to get out of beyond about Acts four, which I think is fabulous. <laughs> There's so much more. We keep finding new things. So we're sort of going back to the end of Acts two. Um, because Jesus has made it really, really simple for us. We keep looking at Acts because we're wrestling with what did Jesus intend and then how do we pick that up and run with it as well, so as not to make it into anything that he never meant for it to be, to keep it simple. But it is quite a big paradigm shift, and especially for those of us maybe who have come from other churches or we've been in church a long time, we may have a very different experience of what we think church ought to be or should be. And so we want to keep looking at it because next week being a scattered, so our scattered Sundays happen the last Sunday of every month. And guys, they are not just a week off. It's not because we've got tired of trying to pull a worship band together or find people to, to hang out with the kids or we don't really want to get up and speak. It's because, you know, that's our rhythm of being in other places and spaces. It's, it's a different routine, and I want to unpack a little bit this morning why that is. And it, 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 it's been right from the beginning of Andy and Roe planting Carlisle Vineyard Church. have has been the very heart of why they came to, to begin not to just plant and start another church. Carlisle has many fantastic churches but to come and be a space for people who don't know Jesus and to see them come into life. And a couple of years ago when we were still meeting up at the Harabi um, Community Centre up there, God spoke to us one morning through this passage actually that we're going to look at from Acts um, with a little phrase. Guys, if you want to throw up the next um, picture. And it was just this tiny little phrase which says, on the way. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is On the Way. So if you, there's some Bibles around the side. If you don't have one with you this morning, it will be up on the screens. Um, But we're going to be starting in the book of Acts, which is the book of the Bible that comes right after Jesus left the earth to go back to heaven. And so where we're picking up the story is The Holy Spirit has come. Jesus promised he wouldn't leave us. He was going to empower us. Um, He was going to give us what we needed to be able to do all the things that he had called us to do. So the Holy Spirit's come. Uh, The disciples, the guys that followed Jesus, were boldly declaring. They were standing up and speaking about who Jesus was. They were seeing miraculous healings. People were coming to know Jesus for themselves. And so that's the context um, of where, it's right, I think we've just got a little bit of a technical hitch. doesn't matter anyway. So let me just read this passage to you guys. It's, so we're reading from Acts 2, verse 42. Brilliant, thank you so much. So it says this, and it, it actually mirrors the passage that Ricky's been speaking from over the last few weeks but was a little bit further on in, in Acts 4. And this says, um, Everyone around was in awe at all of these things, at all the wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned, pulled their resources, so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God and enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. Every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. So we're not going to take this, the time this morning, but just to say, you know, over a few months, you know, Rose started quite a while ago looking at abiding, resting, waiting, like staying in that place so connected with Jesus, so living from the place of the love that the Father has for us. And that's so key, isn't it? To, to keep us, otherwise we tend to go off a little bit wibbly wobbly Um, into religion and into service that is the doing because we have to. And so that was our starting point, is the heart of God and and just our simple relationship between us and him. And then we've been looking for quite a few weeks at the sense of this deeply authentic community What does it mean to be real community? Not just people who come together on a Sunday, but real community. And these guys had that going on. It says, you know, they gathered in the temples, meals at home, every meal, an exuberant uh, celebration. And I love that, exuberant and joyful, which I've said this, it's just been written for Kim down there. Anytime you hang out with Kim, it is an exuberant and joyful experience and it's life-changing. So thank you, Kim. So we're not going to go over that again because we've been talking about it. We'll come back, we'll revisit it, but we're going to move on because from that point we see in this that it's spilled out across the city. And one little um, commentary that I was reading, it said this about it, where it talks about um, that they had favour or they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. It says this about them as as a community. They not only behaved with such true and sincere love towards one another in their church, so they lived from this place of being vulnerable, of being connected, of being generous, genuine, being for one another, but with so much wisdom, courteousness, and affability. I thought that was a good word, we don't use that anymore. Affability towards others and walked with such authenticity and integrity to all that they were declaring that they gained the goodwill of the people. So it was like they didn't do it in order to be a show. They didn't, they didn't do stuff as a church in order to be a something. But as they journeyed and lived from that place of genuine, authentic community, people saw it and they liked what they saw. And I think that's really cool. We don't do what we do in order to be a something, We do what we do because it comes from the very core of who we are, that we're following Jesus, that we're loving people around us in our community and from that it spills and people get to see it. They begin to like what they see if it's real and if it's genuine. And that was their experience at the time. And isn't it also, like, don't we want to see more of that? Where by looking at how we live as community together, how we love one another that others begin to see and really like something of what they see in that. I think there's been a lot of years often when people look at church and they don't like what they see, where they've just felt judged or removed or there's no place or space for them or they can't possibly be good enough to be a part of that. This wasn't what they were experiencing. And as we journey this together, guys, more and more, um, we want to see people's lives touch because they like what they see. But I want to say this little thing. (laughs) It's not perfect. And we we need to sit comfortably in that as well. We are not perfect. So we are not going to perfectly forever display (laughs) all of the amazing things of God. Sometimes, you know, we say things that aren't as loving as we would like them to be. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Sometimes we're just in really low places. And this here is not saying, you know, if we're not perky and brilliant and on it and exuberant all the time, that somehow people are not going to come to know Jesus. It's not saying that because these guys had their hardships. It was about being real and it was about journeying with one another when those times were there because there was a recognition that they didn't have it all together, but thank God for Jesus, because that's why they could declare hope. It wasn't resting on them, it was resting on him, all on him. But they just journeyed and came round one another. When some were high and others were low, they they walked together in that, and that's what people liked and what they saw. Okay, so we're going to read another passage. Sorry, the next part of this particular story, which starts in Acts chapter 3. So it starts out, one day at 3 o'clock. You know, I, I just, I, this made me kind of laugh when I read it in a sense because it's such a normal statement, isn't it? One day at 3 o'clock. The end of the story, I'll give you a heads up if you don't know it, is a man who has been lame from birth, never walked in his life, is miraculously healed and walks for the first time. But when the day started out, it's just one day at 3 o'clock. You know, it's a bit like if, if, he, could, if he could tell the story backwards, it's a bit like when people say, where were you when man landed on the moon? <laughs> you know, where were you when 9-11 happened? You, most of us can remember if we're old enough to have been around... I didn't, nothing to do with the moon, definitely not mine, Um, 9-11 I do remember, but you know we know most people will tell you exactly where they were when they heard about those things, they were life changing and impacting and I want to encourage us in this guys because we never know at the beginning of a day what an encounter we have with anybody we meet may mean for them. Like, we don't know that. We just get up in the morning. It's just a one day. And these guys were just going about what they always did. That's literally all they were doing. One day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were, and here's this phrase, on their way into the temple for prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a crippled man from birth being carried up every day He was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, Look here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, I don't have a penny I took poetic license here and took out nickel sorry to all the Americans it's a translation so I thought penny made more sense to us to my name but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus walk he grabbed him by the hand pulled him up and in an instant his feet and ankles became firm he jumped up and his feet to, sorry to his feet and walked and we could spend a lot of time and we might come back to this Looking at that, the miraculous, I feel rude moving on from the the miraculousness of that story and what Jesus uh, did there through these guys. But um, that's not quite what we're looking at this morning. But all Peter and John were doing was what they had seen Jesus do. It was simple. That was it. They just did what they saw Jesus doing. And it was just on the way. Just that little statement, it might have been they were just on the way to the temple. They were just on the way to do what they had always done. But the point is they were called to be where God wanted them. They were going about the norm. They were going about the rhythms of their city, of their community. That's all they were doing. And you know they saw this in Je- like they had watched this in Jesus. And if we can have the next slide, guys. Um, for any of you have never come across the have not yet come across the infographic Bible. Our fantastic friend Karen Sori who's part of this community here, uh, designed, put together, like gave her life for a number of years to see this come to life. If you haven't got a copy, I'd encourage you to get one. But I love this, and this was done by Karen's brother Paul. And you probably won't be able to see it from there, but it it looks at where did Jesus minister? He went right through the Gospels and pulled out every single time. Where was Jesus? Where was he ministering to people? And the figures of it are that Jesus spent 22% of his time in the synagogue and 78% of his time out in the towns and the villages amongst people. He went where there were people. It wasn't that he didn't gather. He did. He believed in it as well. But the majority of where he put his time was out amongst the people. Um, And Matthew 9, guys, the next slide, and this is what I was referring to earlier, because they had watched Jesus do this. It says, Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. And when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. It's as simple as that. Jesus did it. They did it. We're called to do that. And none of us, none of us are disqualified from that, which I love. All of us get to play in that. There are no buts in this. There are no reasons that we can bring up. Well, that's good for that person, but, well, they're good at that, but this is something that that Jesus said and declared that he was giving to us to go and to be in these places and spaces as he was, as the disciples were, to bring life. So really quickly, I want to give you not a list and not a how-to, but just to bring out the simplicity, guys, of that this is all it was about So in the story, it says, you know, that the man that was crippled asked for a handout. And what I love about this partly was John and Peter had not stopped at this point. They were still going into the temple. They may well have passed this guy on a number of occasions. Like, he wasn't on their radar. They were just doing what was normal to them. And he stopped them and asked for a handout. It was absolutely ordinary. It was just really normal. It wasn't some big sort of, ah, oh, moment, you know, for Peter and John or for the guy. They were all just doing what they did. But Ricky said this last week. Guys, if, we could, if you have got the next slide, he said this, we recognise an opportunity and in that moment we do what is life-giving. So when, when this guy asked them for a handout, they stopped, they recognised here was in a moment, here was an opportunity where they could do something that Jesus would have done um, had he been there. They stopped and saw the one person in front of them. They just slowed up long enough uh, to to respond or give the potential for God to do something there. And Peter and John say to him, look here. They're saying, we really want you to get this. And in other places in the Bible where it uses phrases like that, look here, look me in the eye, it, always, it was always indicating that Holy Spirit had spoken. This was a Holy Spirit-inspired moment. So they got a little bit of a sense prompted by Holy Spirit that he wanted to do something at this point. He wanted to respond. And they say this, I don't have a penny to my name, but what I do have, I give you. And you know, so often, guys, I think we're waiting... <laughs> For the big or we're waiting until we get some things sorted out or we practice enormously or we whatever it might be or we hear more clearly or we feel better in ourselves but actually at that point they just simply say whatever I've got Moses did it you know in the Old Testament he says to God all I've got like he had a staff in his hand he just raised up what he had and God used that. And so it's this, we just take what we have as we encounter people, simply take that and put it in front of the Father and then we can begin to step into, we we can be solution carriers, we can bring hope. When there's dishonour being spoken, we can be the ones that step in and speak and declare honour over somebody. We can give generously when there's a need or we just take what we've got and then we give it away. But we give it away with his authority. And we've there's so much more that he's got for us as a community, as the church as a whole, eh, where authority is concerned, to, to operate, to live out of that place. It's a simple thing. It's not a spooky thing. It's not something we can sit down and learn or read, in a, in a sense, books about. Jesus has given us, he passed on, His authority, he delegated, empowered us to do the things that he did. And that's all that John and Peter do in this moment. They take that delegated authority. It's not them that can heal, but through them, Jesus reaches out and heals the sky. And that's when hope comes. So really quickly... I just want to go back, because I, I often do this. I'm a massive, I'm very into stories. I love reading. I love movies. And um, sometimes we've got to go back to set the scene, don't we? How was it that Peter and John in that moment could could do what they did? How is it that we can sit and consider, like Ricky's been speaking just about, to consider our ways in this personally today? You know, when we sit in front of this... What does Father want to say to us about it personally? How can we increasingly all begin to step into living a life like this? And it was down to Peter could do this because he loved Jesus, he abided with him. Peter knew who he was and he knew what he carried. It was as simple as that simple but not always easy. And so on the next slide, Matthew 16, Jesus has been saying to Peter, Peter, who do you think I am? And Peter says, "Um, I believe you're the one that we've been waiting for. I believe you're the Messiah, the one who's come to save. And this is Jesus' answer to him. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. And I want to go back to this because this is kind of where it gets set, where Jesus starts to declare. He's been demonstrating how he wants these guys to, to follow him, how to live. But this is when, you know, he begins to speak into Peter's identity. You know, Peter at this point, he had just been a fisherman. He hadn't been journeying that long with Jesus. You know, he'd spent his whole life being a fisherman. He hadn't come from the best of the best. But, but Jesus starts to speak over him because he sees the gold within him. And I just want to encourage us this morning, guys, because none of us are there yet, but there is treasure and gold within each and every one of us. Where you know Whether we've had these things spoken over us, and if we haven't, Jesus, we know wants to do it. We're like Peter. He comes and says, this is who I know you to be. You're a rock, and I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to start this amazing thing. And, and he's, got that, he's got his words for each one of us, guys. It may not be that we're called to be a rock, but it will be something that the Father declares over you that begins to release your identity of you knowing who you are, who you're made to be, how to give that away as a gift to those around you. And he, Jesus at this point was really, really deliberate in the word that he chose. Because when he says, Peter, on you I will build my church, he used a term, a political term that we translate as, as, as ecclesia. You might have heard this, it's now been used in you know, ecclesiastical, it's often to do with the church, but the actual term started, it was a political thing where the citizens, normal people, were called out, they were brought together for a purpose, and they were given the authority to change things. And Jesus really deliberately here uses that term. He doesn't say, "Um, I'm going to build my synagogue. You know, they were really familiar with the temple, the synagogue, and he was trying to make, trying to basically blow their heads a little bit out of the water, like he's doing with some of us as well, where it was a sense of, I am not here to build church as you have known it. That is not what I've come to do. What I've come to do is to call you out as an ordinary people. I've brought you together for a purpose. I'm giving you the purpose. I'm letting you know what it is I'm calling you together to do. I'm bringing you together in community so that you can stand with one another, you can encourage one another, you can you know, see one another built up. But then I'm calling you. I'm giving you my authority so that you can go and bring change. He was really deliberate, guys, and we can't ignore that because gatherings are amazing. It is amazing to come together, and God does so much often when we are together. He really does. It matters to him that we do this, but it is insufficient. A gathering is insufficient to see the transformation and the change in people's lives across cities and across nations. He wants to... Awaken us to our authority in fresh ways. You know we've been called as community. That is what we believe as Carlo Vineyard that we have been called as community. That the church beyond these walls as well has been called as community to see that story rewritten, to see God's story. The city, for the lives in the city across this region, across the nation to be released, and for each one of us to know who we are, what the Father's given us, and then to go out with that empowerment to do all the things that He's called us to do. Um, Alan Scott, who used to be at Causeway Coast Vineyard, is now leading the church in Anaheim in the States, he says this. Knowing your identity is breakthrough for you. Knowing you have his authority is breakthrough for others. So those two things are so key. Knowing who we are brings breakthrough in our lives. It brings freedom. It brings release. It brings us into the things that the Father has put in there for us to live from that place. But then it's his authority from that place and it, that we go out and it brings breakthrough. For other, in other people's lives, and the point is that all of us in this room have that authority as church. And I think for some of us, and I've been in church my whole life. You know, when I started reading some stuff around this, what really struck me again was just a sense of we don't all have authority in church. There are roles and places and spaces where people hold. Teams and run things and do things We don't all have authority in the church But each one of us has authority as the church And I want to suggest that that's kind of more important Guys, what we do in here is not the pinnacle It is so not the pinnacle of what Jesus has called us to It's a part of it and, and we want to, when we gather and we do things together and we have kids that we want to see grow in, in who Jesus is and all of that, we take all of that really seriously because it's important, but it's just not the pinnacle. We need to be pressing in to stepping out in the authority that he's giving us, not looking for authority to hold things in the building or amongst us as a community, but taking our authority and bringing about that change that he's called us to do out in the city. Because it's for everywhere and for everyone, not just for us. We've got to go further than the building. Only Jesus, like he has the authority. We can't heal things. We can't, we can't set people free. You know, we can't see healing come but Jesus can he has all the authority but because of his friendship with us he wants to do it in partnership he wants to work with us in order to see it happen so that's his invitation to us eh not to just be attenders and that's, guys, it is not a judgment. If, if you are somebody, you know, that has, has come and just to, to, to be a part of things, it's not a judgment. It is never a judgment. It's just simply an invitation because Jesus has so much more. And we need to keep pressing in to what he has. We can't stop and settle. He lets us settle along the way, some of us, for a temporary time where we need other things. That's what we do as community as well together. But ultimately, he's calling all of us to know who we are, to know the authority we carry. And we want to turn up as church increasingly in spaces and places around the city. We don't want to just remain being a people who turn up to church. And I know that if we sat down and could ask each of you stories to share now, you would be able to share stories of the places and spaces that you turn up as church, that you turn up as somebody who's just an ordinary person who looks for those Holy Spirit moments, who gives away what you've got, and you see hope come. But there's so much more. There's so many more places that he wants to call us to do that. And, and from that, to see this new story of hope written, and ultimately, that's why the place that you live, where you work, where you play, where you go to school, where you go to university, you know, those are, for each of us, our on-the-way spaces. We've all got them. We all go into them every day. And, and like the disciples, it's just simply being aware that when a moment comes, like Ricky said, allowing Holy Spirit to begin to move into that, to say what is the solution or what is it that you want to do, what can I give away here that will begin to see your kingdom come. That's why we do Scattered, that's why we do the Cumbrian Run, where we go out and we simply on the last mile, when everything is aching and burning and you want to give up and you want to go home, we are there as a group of community to say to our city, to say to the people running, keep going. You can do it. The kids downstairs have been making some amazing banners for this year just to declare over each runner as they come through, you're awesome. You know, we want to start declaring the goal. That's why we go into those places. We might not get to preach about Jesus. But we're bringing something of his life into that space. And when we have scattereds, that's an opportunity to spend time with our friends, our families that don't know Jesus, or, or somebody that just needs some encouragement, our neighbour, whoever it might be. So I want to invite us all guys over the next two weeks increasingly. You know, this is our rhythm. We do it differently. We will always do it differently because we want to be in those places and spaces where the people Ah We want to gather, but we want to scatter, and that's the invitation. In the last five minutes of this morning, and this could be a little bit chaotic, what I would love us to do is to get into some groupings, because guys, most of you are living in a neighbourhood um, with children, maybe, in a university, in a school, um, in a workplace wherever it might be and that's where the father wants to break out that's where we want to see God's story breaking out in those places and spaces so what I would love us to do is to get into some groupings and as I say this might be a bit chaotic where we're just going to pray over one another as we finish this morning because it's those places that matter it's those places where we need don't we Holy Spirit to empower us to bring life to those around us If you do not want to pray or you would prefer not to, please just feel free to sit in your seat or to um, go and collect children um, and if it gets to 12.30 if you've got children and can collect them that would be fantastic. Um, but I'm going to call out some groupings and what I'd love us to do, um, if you're in healthcare we're going to gather and if you're in education we're going to gather but then I'd love those that are in education to pray over those that are in healthcare you know, praying that God would begin to break out in those places and spaces and where there are barriers to begin to bring his life in small ways that we would see what it is that he's wanting to do in each place and space. So I would like to ask if you are in healthcare um, or if you're a student or at home with children, grandchildren, um, working with neighbours and so on, if you'd like to go and gather with Ro down the back, um, you guys are going to pray together. If you are in retail, hotel catering, media and the arts, charity work, I'd love you to come and gather with Ricky here at the front if that's okay. And then if you're a skilled worker, plumbers, electricians, defence, police, emergency services, justice, law, accountancy, small business, large business, IT, we'd love to gather over here. And if you feel like God is maybe beginning to spark and call you into a new place, feel free to go and gather with whichever group because we're all called to be in those places and spaces, guys. That's where the Father wants to release his life. I don't know if I said education, maybe if they could gather with this group too. Okay, Rhoda wants education. Okay, and if, if I didn't cover your category, feel free to join whichever one most represents. Um, as you finish praying, it's just time to head out, but be blessed as you go this week to see those opportunities. So let's pray um, as we gather. Amen.